Hello and welcome to the second MLB Hot Stove episode of the Big Recon on Sports podcast. I am your host, I am the Big Recon, and today is Monday, February the 8th, and I got the boys back. You know if we're talking hardball, we are talking with Tone from Cardboards and Cracker Jacks, from the Bucketeers podcast, which I was on Saturday night and had a blast, and of course Alex from Row 7, my Chicago friends, but we're not going to start with baseball tonight. We are going to give a tip of the cap to our boy Tones. And the Super Bowl 55 champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a resounding 31-9 whooping of the Kansas City Chiefs. Tone, I will say this, I did get into it with a Kansas City fan on Twitter last night who was complaining about the referees. And I said to him very calmly, oh, you mean the helmet-to-helmet hit that cost the Browns a shot at going to the championship game? Let's talk. He has not responded since. So... Tone, he's still thinking of a response, okay? Give him a minute. Listen, he's got to be because I was like on him. <laughs> I mean, granted, I did this. I do disagree with some of the the PI calls just because a couple of the balls were uncatchable, but I know that's how they're calling it now, so that's one thing. But let's give the man the floor. Tone, the voice sounds a little off, but what do you got? How is how is your partying? Oh man, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. We actually had this planned and uh, always good to talk with you as well, Alex. Um, this is planned for a couple weeks now, I think, and uh, you know, one way or another, I know I was going to come on here and um, either have a good old time or a, uh, you know, depressing little time, but I'm glad it's uh, first of the two. I was lucky enough to talk with uh, Mike uh, from Big Greek and on Sports on Saturday on the Bucketeers live show we did and we talked about the Browns getting ripped off and robbed in that game, actually, uh, or that night uh, against the Chiefs. Um, you know, the helmet-to-helmet call was missed. A couple other calls didn't go the Browns' way. And last night, I know a lot of people are complaining about the refs, but there were some blatant face masks that the refs missed, uh, you know, against the Buccaneers that the Chiefs had. They were inside the Bucks' helmets and their face mask on two calls. That went uncalled. So, um, you know, the refs may have called some ticky-tack both ways, may have missed some calls both ways. But, you know, even if you take away those three touchdowns from penalty-led drives, still a 10-9 to win. The Bucks still would have won 10-9. to It's not like uh, they would have lost the game in terms of points. So, you know, it was a great night of party, and I stayed up later than I have. When I say years, and like probably since college, um, it was really fun. Uh, I don't, I don't drink much anymore, but the champagne was cracked last night and it was just a good time. Uh, my dad's a lifelong Bucks fan. My brother's second team is the Bucks and he's not rooting for the Colts. I wouldn't say he's their, the second team, but he had a good time rooting for them. And, uh, you know, it was just a good time. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. And I got to tell you, um, my son who Alex met the one night that we had done one, he was rooting for, he loves Brady. He was rooting for Brady last night. Um, I told Alex before we came on the air, I did wear Ohio State colors on Saturday night on purpose. <laughs> and let me tell you, the Michigan fan boards on Twitter were going crazy. How, how did you, um, first off, Clay Matthews got robbed. Oh, I was pissed. That, that's uncalled. That's, uh, we, we thought he was going to get in, and uh, now we'll see what happens. And second off... Last night, how about the uh, deuce from Antoine Winfield Jr. That was Tyree Hill. Listen, I thought that was great, just because I know t- I 
I watched the game they played uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And um, I thought what Hill did with the deuce and the flip should have been called. Yeah. I'm all for the celebrations. I loved the Selly cam during the playoffs. I really did. But when you take it over the line, that's not cool. And that was taken over the line. So I had no problem with Winfield. I actually, I was like, oh, they got him for that. Oh, that's just bad. But I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him. Yeah, one one other thing here before Alex gets in, uh, I just want to mention one other thing from the game last night. Kind of funny how Tony Romo mentioned, oh, they're kicking Tyreek Hill when he's down, he's losing the game, and then Antoine Winfield's doing that. And then the next the next phrase that CBS mentions when the Chiefs are getting killed is Andy Reid's son. I just thought it was ironic. You know, they, they um, uh, said... Tyreek Hill shouldn't be taunted in when they were losing, and then they mentioned Andy Reid's son on air, and you know how bad of a mishap that was when they're getting killed. So they kicked the guy when he's down, and they were defending Tyreek Hill. I don't know. Oh, I got you, Alex. Your overall impression outside of your um your winnings last night because of Mr. Gronkowski. What were you thinking? I mean, it was an absolute thrashing. It was there was no competition as far as I'm concerned. Without a doubt, regardless of Brady, uh, the Brady factor or not, that that Tampa defense was stout. Uh, Antoine Winfield, for him uh, to get that last laugh in the, with the peace sign, I mean, that's poetic justice right there. For, forget what happened earlier in the season because now he's got what matters. The he's ring. got the hardware. That's what counts. Exactly. Know? Exactly. So I, I will leave you with this one thought about this, and then we're going to dive into tonight's actual conversation. Um, I will say this. We have now seen that the offensive line is the most important position on a football field. Because let me tell you something, I would have made my prediction different had I remembered that Fisher got hurt in the championship game. I would have picked Tampa Bay to win with the pass rush they had and the fact that you're patchworking an offensive line to protect that guy, and it's a throwing team. It's not like the Browns who patchworked one and ran the football. Yeah. So no, I would have I would have picked Tampa to win if I remembered that Fisher was going to be out, so... Also, how about uh, the scramble yards for Mahomes? 479? Outrageous. How about I saw a meme today when the ball that he threw when he was falling, which, by the way, should have been a touchdown. But it says, when your first sport is baseball. Yeah, no lie. <laughs> how about, um, speaking of these things, how, yeah, first off, Alex, that list was funny because on there twice and then he was on there that third time for most scramble yards and Jameis Winston was actually on that list which is kind of funny to me but how about Patrick Mahomes mom and girlfriend uh acting all weird on Twitter you know making the Chiefs the victim they're like oh I can't believe sports centers treating Pat like this because they you know posted a picture of Pat's face like all confused and then the mom tweeted at Giselle like oh the refs are cheating blah 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 it's like give me a break it is what it is. Pat Mahomes got his got his ring last or last year, I guess you can say, in a sense. So, you know, you're not going to win them all. That's the way it goes. Yeah, and I will say this: I give his girlfriend a pass because she's due any day. I share my home with a pregnant woman now. She gets a pass. She gets a pass. Okay. But I told Alex this. I did. You didn't get. You got here a little after I told him. We got some theme music for tonight. Because tonight we are talking about something that we have wanted and needed since the final out of of the World Series last year. 
Oh, and of course, that is Center Field by John Fogarty. Inducted into the Hall of Fame, by the way, uh, in Cooperstown. So here we are. It is hot stove number two, and there has been a lot of stuff that has gone on. My boys have been at the center of it. I know, Tone, you and I talked about something over the weekend that shocked you a lot. So I'm going to start there, but I'm going to start with the South Sider on this. Alex, how about the New York Mets inking Albert Almora Jr. to a contract? Huge, huge. That's big. That's bigger than signing George Springer. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I was I was reading something about this. Isn't he basically like an exact uh, replica of Juan Lagares? Yeah, and Lagares was my guy. I, I am a firm believer in you never ever get rid of a Gold Glover. Never. Um, and of course, Lagares was the everyday center fielder. 2014 wins the Gold Glove, same year as Degrom's Rookie of the Year. And he was the everyday center fielder until the Mets made the trade for Yoenis Cespedes. And I will say this till the day I die. If Juan Lagares had started Game 1 of the World Series in 2015, the inside the park home run that started that World Series would have been an out and the Mets win the World Series. Tone, I know you said wow when I sent that to you. What do you think of Almora? I think, you know, first off, his first couple years with the Cubs and his farm time with the Cubs, the Cubs really thought this was going to be one of their core pieces of the future. They thought he was going to be one of these guys who were the cornerstones of the franchise, not only for his bat, but for his defensive abilities, too. He has a very good glove in the outfield. You can really move him around center fielder mainly, but he could play corner outfield spots as well. First three years in the big leagues, he batted 280, 298, and 286. He does have some speed. I wouldn't say he's fast, but he does have some quick speed. He has a little bit of power. He's more of a slap hitter. And this guy was a key contributor to the World Series in uh, 2016. His war last year, he had a terrible year last year, and his war uh, sat around zero. So you can tell he was down last year, um, only batted 167. And he's never really been the same since that one incident that involved the fan, which was um, pretty tragic, which wasn't his fault, obviously. But some guys take a, you know, psychological take on things when uh, accidents happen. Take Josh Hamilton, for example. He was never quite the same after that incident he had when he threw the fan the ball and the fan um, rest in peace. You know, some players just don't deal with tragedies well. We'll see if a change of scenery helps Albert Elmore, which I think it really can, because that's all you need sometimes when bad things happen is a change of scenery. So I think he has a chance to go to New York. I think he has a chance to be a good depth outfielder who brings championship experience to the table. He's won a ring. He can really help these younger Met guys or Met guys who haven't won rings before um, get in the championship mentality at the very least. And his glove is still there. It's just if the Mets knew, um, you know, if the Net Mets knew coaching in front office could fix his uh, bat like the old Albert Elmore. Well, I, I got to tell you, I think him and Chili Davis will be nice together uh, with Chili back yep. in the fold this year. Um, I really do believe he was brought in to be that fourth outfielder with the glove. I honestly do. Uh, the Mets are still very much in on Jackie Bradley. Um, I believe Jackie Bradley will be the starting center fielder on opening day for the Mets. And if he's not, listen, I love Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. You're talking about a guy who the shredder for MLB put him in the top 10 in center fielders right now. 
So I will I will take it. All right. So talking about changes of scenery, let's discuss what I believe will be the biggest move in the American League, and that is Liam Hendricks signing with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Alex, when we talked earlier in the offseason, we both said bullpen was huge for the White Sox. This is the biggest bullpen piece that was out there. How comfortable are you, and what do you see his overall impact on the rotation being? I mean, I think his that gamer presence that he kind of has that he had in, in Oakland and he's bringing to here to the south side, I think is going to be huge. Um, that The fact that he wants to take the ball basically every day is kind of what you want to hear. Uh, bringing somebody where you're paying them hefty. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a fan of it. I know they lost Colomay, obviously, to the Twins, which kind of stings a little bit. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. But I'm, I'm just glad that the White Sox addressed that bullpen because, as we mentioned, if you got your guys, your starters, you can go four, five, six plus. But in the back end, if you guys got, if you got guys blowing games, like, that doesn't help you at all because you're probably going to take the loss. So huge pickup for them to sign Hen- uh, Hendricks, and, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. And I got to tell you, I love Lance Lynn as a depth piece. I really do. Agreed. Agreed. Tone, you have had good bullpens on the north side uh, with the Cubs. Where do you do you think that Hendricks can put the White Sox over the top in that division? We're coming off back to uh, – did you guys win the division last year? I can't remember. The White Sox? Yeah. Uh, no, Minnesota won it. Oh, uh, Cleveland won it. Yeah, the White Sox are a wild card. Okay. Yeah, does this put them, Tone, do you think this puts them over the hump and makes them the odds-on favorite in the Central? So, uh, I'm very familiar with Liam Hendricks, as I've been a proud fantasy owner of his for the past two seasons now, and, or, you know, however you want to clarify, last season, one and a half years, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. I really don't view it as a season because these guys barely got to play. I think they still earned the championship. I don't discredit the Dodgers for winning, but in terms of fantasy baseball, at least it was a little different, but Hendricks has been incredible in both of those seasons, providing consistency, consistency, consistency. 1.8 ERA in 2019, 1.78 ERA in 2020. Last year, he had one or two blowups to begin the year, and everyone was freaking out. The White Sox brought this guy in. They're giving him a lot of monies and the keys to be the closer, and he's going to do a good job. This guy is entering the prime of his career as a closer. You can't look at his career and say, oh, he's, you know, been to Minnesota, Kansas City, Oakland, Toronto. Oh, he's put up an ERA over six. He's put up high ERAs sometimes. That was a different lifetime ago. We see pitchers all the time shuffle in from starter to reliever, from reliever to starter. However you look at it, this guy shuffled from starter to reliever, finally figured it out with Oakland in the latter half of his career. Now he's one of the best, if not the best, closers in baseball. Alex Colomay, nothing against him. This is one of those upgrades where it's so significant that it does put a team in very good position because they do have good bullpen pieces like Balmer already. You add him to a bummer, um, you know, they got a couple good other guys. I, I forget their, their – um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on this one dude who had an incredible year last year, sub-2 ERA, but they got a good bullpen nonetheless. Foster, I think you're talking about Foster maybe? Yep, yep. Foster. Matt Foster, I think. And, um, you know, their bullpen's going to be incredible. Liam Hendricks is the real deal. And I really think Oakland 
is going to miss him. I think he's been a key success to how good Oakland was. We've seen it, man, we've seen against the White Sox in the postseason last year how much Oakland relied on Leon Hendricks. They pitched him back-to-back days. They pitched him multiple innings each day. This guy just gets the job done. He reminds me of Aroldis Chapman a little bit. Does he smile when he gives up big home runs? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, he gave up big home runs to the Mets this year, and he smiled too, so I I had to take the shot. Speaking of the, um, I almost said the AFC North, sorry, the American League Central. See, you guys got me into football more this year. <laughs> Usually my season stops when Ohio State is done. Um, but going into the American League Central, Alex, I am requesting that all White Sox fans send the New York Mets a thank you card. For the amazing blockbuster deal that happened just a few short weeks ago. And for everybody who doesn't remember, the New York Mets sent Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, and three minor league prospects to the Cleveland Indians for Francisco Lindor and my personal favorite part of this deal, Carlos Carrasco. Cookie. Cookie. So I'm going to bring this from a Mets perspective, then I'll go to you guys. And let me tell you something. As much as I love... Francisco Lindor, and I do. You know I got family in Cleveland. He's always been one of my guys. I told you guys earlier this year that I thought he would be a New York Met coming into next season. I had no idea that they were going to get Cookie for this. None. When I saw the deal, I called my father, and he hadn't seen it, and we both went crazy. But then I said, I called him later the night. I said, did you see the rest of the deal? And he said, no. I said, Dad, Cookie's a Met. And that's where I think... Not getting Trevor Bauer, which we'll get into, doesn't hurt the Mets. Because now, one through five to start the season. DeGrom, Stroman, Cookie, um, David Peterson, and I always forget one. You're Matt. No, Matt's, what, Matt's is in Toronto. Oh, they yeah, traded him. Yeah, I, I forget he got, he got shipped off. DeGrom, Syndergaard. Uh, no, he's not ready till June. Syndergaard will be back in, like you said, June. Right? Tommy, oh, he's throwing off a mound. He's throwing BBs. I already seen him. He's, he's, a, he's a machine. Well, they call him Thor for a reason. Now i got to look yeah. this up. This is going to annoy me. The, I mean, you're just used to all the Mets. The Mets having so much depth at the pitching position. Yeah, and that's just driving me crazy. Joey Lachese? Maybe Joey Lachese might be there. Joey Lachese might be there. Um... Oh, he's the guy they got from San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty good. I mean, he didn't have a good year last year, but I remember two years ago, Lachese, he was one of the, you know, most uh, looked up to young arms in baseball. Yeah, and he's, I and listen, Lachese's going to be pretty big. Um, oh, this is going to annoy me. I should know these things. Like, off the top of my head, I should know these things. It's probably going to be, it might just be Lachese, like... Is Seth Lugo, maybe? Lugo, I think they're going to have to keep in the bullpen, to be honest with you, because I think Brad Hand's going to come back to bite him. Um, so then it's probably looking like it will it's be. It's going to uh, be Lucchese, yeah. So um, I'm just flipping through this real quick. Just give me one more second. I apologize, guys. Don't worry, you know. No, I, I stuck with baseball way longer than I thought, or football way longer than I thought this year. Just because you guys got to... Uh, an extreme amount of depth. That's why in your in your pitching, so it happens. No, I know, but if you're telling me that 
Philadelphia did not upgrade anywhere. I mean, they kept D.D. Gregorius. Atlanta bringing Ozuna back was great, but if you got five games in a row against those boys and you're throwing out after June, those five dudes in a row. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. Good luck. So let me ask about the, uh, the American League Central again. Because here's the thing that no one's talking about. Cleveland still has a ton of arms. And they have the unanimous Cy Young Award winner at the top of the rotation. Alex, can they get a wild card spot? They probably could. I mean, just because of their experience. Uh, but, I mean, it's all going to rely on, you know, the, the, the pitching that they have, the youth that they have, that it can further develop them and they stay healthy. That's that's the biggest key factor going into this upcoming season because I, normally they are always a threat to win the Central, but I think that's kind of, hopefully that's come and gone, if I can say, being a, a Southsider. Uh, but I guess we'll see what happens. But I, I think they could possibly be a, a wild card. What about you, Tones? Yeah, I mean, the rotation definitely lets them stick around. They have Bieber, Plesak, Seval, Tristan McKenzie, Logan Allen, the young uh, pitcher they acquired a couple years back from the Padres, former top 100 prospect. So they still go five deep. It's just depending on their bullpen. They don't really have a closer at this given time even. And then their lineup is a little shaky after losing, obviously, their most premiered hitter. So it's really going to depend if a guy like Fran Reyes, if a guy like Josh Naylor, um, if Oscar Mercado could bounce back this year after having a really down year last year, if Rosario and Jimenez pan out. Their lineup right now has a lot more question marks and answers. It's still centered by Jose Ramirez. Um, he's going to have to take the reins over and more without Lindor. But uh, their their rotations there, I just think they're incomplete with their bullpen and with their hitting. Last year I was high in this team. I'm not too high on them this year. I think they could still compete for, uh, you know, maybe the last wild card seed. But I don't see them competing for the division. No, I think you're right. I think Cleveland's divisional window closed for the time being. Um, I also think they're going to move Ahmed Rosario to center field. And I think they're going to run with uh, Jimenez as shortstop every day. Um, so, yeah, obviously my boys have been very uh, – I'm sorry, Alex. Go ahead. No, no, just thinking about it. Boy, did they dump salary, Cleveland. Wow. Cleaning house. Yeah, and it's something that they do all the time. If you think about it, they had the run from 94 when they had the strike shortened year. Uh, they won the division – Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Off year in two thousand one. In two thousand one, from oh two to like oh seven, they were second level. Then they get to that ALCS in oh seven, couple years off, and then they started this run again in twenty thirteen. Once Terry Francona came on, they developed very well. They developed pitching very well. Um, so I can't ever count out a uh, a team that develops pitching the way uh, the Indians do. So we see Cleveland's taking this turn. The Mets, of course, with the influx of money and Steve Cohen have taken this one, which brings me to yesterday or over the weekend. Trevor Bauer's spurning of the New York Mets. Now, Alex, you and I talked about this before we came on. Tone, did you see the apology today? Uh, no, what, it, what was it? Trevor Bauer did a 10-tweet thread apologizing to Met fans. Because apparently, a lot of the stuff that got out that said he was going to sign with the Mets was not put out by him. Uh, 
Now, listen, would I have liked Trevor Bauer to slide in right behind Jacob deGrom? Because I'm sorry if my choice is one or the other to start in the number one spot. We all know who the number one pitcher in all of baseball is. But to add Trevor Bauer back there with two of his boys in Cookie and Lindor, I would have loved that. So should we take him at his word tone? Or should we tell him to go scratch and turn City Field into the old Roman Coliseum when he takes the ball here with the Dodgers? First off, um, I'm going to have a little hot take here. Uh, five years from now, I think this is one of the most regrettable contracts in Dodgers history. I think that this guy is full of hot air, and I think that his career is, um, you know, going to be about as good as, as his talking game is. I think he's full of crap. Um, I wouldn't trust a word he says. He used the Mets as leverage, in my opinion. He took them to the altar. He uh, started getting hot and heavy with them to get the Dodgers to break the bank a little more. I mean, we've seen Trevor Bauer playing games all offseason. He, he was flirting with every team. He was flirting with every fan base. This is a guy who doesn't care about uh, teams. He doesn't care what fans think. He doesn't care about you if you're not a part of the team he represents. And he proved that a lot this offseason. You don't go on Twitter and you don't say, oh, you know, White Sox would be fun to play for. Oh, Padres, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Matt. Oh, oh, blah, blah, blah. Whoever the... F- you know, FLs, he said he's, you know, interested in playing for. I just don't have respect for this guy after what he did this offseason personally. I think the Mets are going to be glad they made the moves they did with Cookie and Lindor over him. And I think when it's all said and done, the Dodgers, I mean, they get money from out of nowhere. They're the new Yankees. So, um, you know, they might not regret it too much at the end of the day because they could probably just print out a couple more $100 bills. But um, at, at, at day's end, I think uh, Mets fans are really, really, really relieved here to dodge this bowl. And I think it's going to fuel them. And I don't take his word for anything he says at this point because after all offseason, all he's done is run his mouth. So, Alex, you know, I agree with a lot of what you just said, Tone. I really do. I think he's running his mouth. Don't get me wrong, but you're talking about a guy who has had one half of a good season. Because I, having been in Cleveland, having family in Cleveland, and whenever they're on, watched him. He's good. He's not forty million a year good. So, Alex, I want to ask you as somebody who watches the game as in depth as all three of us do. Now that the Dodgers have three former Cy Young Award winners at the top of their rotation, can anybody catch them? I think so. I think I, I, I definitely think so. I mean, do you think it's San Diego? I, I think it's San Diego. Honestly, I, I think San Diego is really hungry and they're and they're here to compete. And I, I think I tweeted out the other day the NL West, the NL West is going to be a dogfight between those two teams, a hundred percent. I do not fe- I do not see that the San Diego Padres with that young core, that young team that's ready to ready to win and ready to compete. I don't see them just kind of laying down and just letting it, letting the, uh, you know, big brother stomp them out. Oh, I agree. As far as I'm concerned, I I agree wholeheartedly with tones. I I think Trevor Bauer is worth it, but $40 million. Absolutely not for him to be your number three. No shot. No shot. I'm, I'm glad that he didn't go to the Mets. I'm glad he didn't come to the South side because I, I don't see why you would pay anybody who, 
has had good seasons, has had, you know, had a nice run in the 60-game season last year, that much money, that's a little foolish as far as I'm concerned. But to to the point, maybe the Dodgers do have that much money that, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to really mean much if in the next three years that he's there, you know, they don't win anything. So you guys said something about rolling over and dying. So let's get into the other massive deal this offseason. And it's the one that I'm sure has made the gentleman that is, Alex, you're up here, Tony, you're right there, that annoyed him the most. And that is the fire sale that is the Colorado Rockies sending Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals. Alex, your father has got to be over the moon. He's already ordered himself a jersey. So. Nice. The man is the man is ready, primed and ready to go. So, it, and the crazy thing about it is, when it broke that that night, like a week or so so ago, he didn't know about it. And I called him; it was like nine something. I, I asked him, "Are you sitting down?" He said, "Yeah, what's going on?" He's like, "I got some big news for your boys. You just got Arenado." And he, the phone just went silent for five seconds. I thought the man had a heart attack. <laughs> That's phenomenal. <laughs> I did that to my dad once, but it's when I met Tom Seaver, and it went silent because he hung up on me. Um, <laughs> so Tone the Cubs fan is Arenado the tipping point in the central because now it's Ar- it's Arenado Goldschmidt Carpenter that's a heck of a lineup yeah and it's pretty good um, I, I don't really think that Matt Carpenter is a great number three I think Goldschmidt and uh, Arenado are incredible, but the thing with the Cardinals is their rotation just isn't isn't great. It's good, it's not great. You know they do have the Jack Flaherty, and they do have the Kwang Hong Kim, but after that they don't really have too much pitching. Not saying that any other teams do in the Central, and the Cardinals are you know the prevalent favor after landing Arenado. Um, last year Arenado wasn't great. The last half season before last year, he wasn't great. I know him and the Rockies had a lot of tension, and that probably has a lot to do with it. Um, I think he's going to be good in, uh, in St. Louis, and I think it puts them in in a position to be the favorites right now in the Central. As I said, it's going to be a bad division, in my opinion, if not maybe the worst in the NL this year. Really? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really bad. Um, I don't see a division being worse than ours. Uh, I think Dodgers and Padres are the two best teams in the NL. And then I think the other division just has way, 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 way more depth, um, you know, than the Cubs, Cubs division could even sniff. The Pirates are terrible. Brewers are going to be a joke. And the Reds, they lost a lot of good pieces. Um, the Cubs lost a lot of good pieces, too. And then you got the Cardinals who don't have pitching for the life of them. They did add Nolan Arenado, but this is one of these divisions that is going to be, um, you know, you might have a team that doesn't have many wins winning the division, you know, a little over 500, and that's okay. Cardinals are always a historically tough out in the postseason. Cubs are one of those teams of postseason experience. So whether it's the Cardinals or the Cubs, I'd give the favorite to the Cardinals right now. I wouldn't count the Cubs out, but with that Nolan Arenado move, with that type of star power, that just shoots your franchise in, you know, the right trajectory for sure. Yeah, and I got to tell you, you two were the first ones I thought about when I saw Arenado went to the Cardinals, obviously for the two entirely different reasons. 
So there's been a lot of movement this offseason as far as trades go that no one really saw. I didn't see Arenado getting traded. Um, we all knew Lindor was going to get traded because of Cleveland's financial situation. Um, if you had to pick one move, and not necessarily by your team one move, but one move that actually kind of made you go, whoa, didn't see that coming. Alex, think about it. Because I got one I want to start with, and that is you, Darvish, going to San Diego. That was the one that was on my head. That was, it was just kind of a head scratcher, and obviously no, no stain at all to the Cubs or to Tones, but it, it made me wonder why why they're going this route, and why do you decide to fork over that and for getting kids in return? And these, no, guys, I, these guys are sub sub nineteen years old. I want you to be honest, man. It was a pathetic move. It was a terrible move. I want you to let it all go because as a Cubs guy, it was embarrassing to the franchise. Um, I knew when David Ross was hired as manager that things were going to get ugly here quickly, and that's what's slowly becoming. You can't hire friends, man. It doesn't work like that. Uh, you can't do it. It doesn't work like that. That's why it cracks me up in all these leagues and people praise player coaches getting hired right out of it. It, it never works. I mean, it works rarely. It rarely, rarely works. And David Ross came in. Look at what happened with the Cubs, and now they're dismantling. Theo doesn't even want to be there. If Theo's backing out on a project, um, you know, it's it's over money. The Cubs are penny-pinching. They could have really contended this year, could have kept Darvish for a little longer. They're um, keeping Bryant around. They could have kept Schwarber. They gave Peterson the same money. They could have got Schwarber for less. And then uh, John Lester i seen Chad Hoyer. i I seen Hoyer came out today and said the Cubs are going to bring in more veterans. They could have re-signed Lester. They could have had another run with this team. They could have done it again. And if things aren't going good at the deadline, trade you Darvish. Like Alex said, it's not like they got freaking, you know, top prospect in baseball, Wander Franco for you Darvish. It's not like they got Cronenworth for you Darvish. They got a couple of uh, ham sandwiches, a bologna sandwich, and a couple of lobster tails for the guy. And it's really sad to see what the Cubs did. And then they let a guy like Schwarber go. Then they let a guy like Lester go. Then they don't bring back Elmora. The direction they're going in is clear. I think they could still contend in the Central because they are. They at least brought back Davies. They signed Jock Peterson. They said they might sign more vets. They re-signed Chafin for the bullpen. If Kimbrell pulls his head out of his rear... They could be okay. The thing is, they have Bryant, they have Contreras, they have Baez, they have Rizzo. They still have the guys. Why give up on them so early? Why give up on them so early? But that's not my least favorite move, or that's not my most wowing move of the offseason. It is wowing, but not my most wowing. Let me interrupt you for just a second. Um, Jake Sumaraj said, Bucks Super Bowl champs, let's go, Tones. Yeah, sir, <laughs> Jake Sumaraj, you my guy. Um one of the co-hosts of Cardboard and Cracker Jack. So, uh, yeah, I love you, Jake. You've been on, uh, you know, the Bucks train for a couple weeks now. So uh, thanks a lot, man. Let's go, Bucks. <laughs> so, Tone, what's your uh, shocking move? And, Alex, I'll go back Josh, to you to find a different one. Josh Bell to the Nationals. Shocking. Yeah. Because the Pirates had one glimmer of hope. And he wasn't necessarily an old head. And it was Josh Bell. And Josh Bell had an MVP-type season, not last year, but the year before that. 
last year in a weird year. He had a down year, as did half the league. I mean, when baseball is arguing with their owners and players association for, you know, when baseball's supposed to be hitting home runs on the 4th of July, they can't even get a deal together. There's going to be distractions. Players aren't going to be in it. And uh, Josh Bell had a down year. Talk about giving up pennies. Nationals barely gave up anything. And the Pirates really needed some young pieces. So I'm really confused at why they gave up Josh Bell for so little. And I think him and Juan Soto, man. I know we talked about the Cardinals having a nice three-headed monster, but Soto, Victor Robles, and Josh Bell, man, that, that's going to do a lot of damage. They're a four-headed monster because you forgot your boy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is heading over there as well. Here's one problem. They're four. Is Robles left-handed? No, he's righty. Okay. There are three left-handers and one right-hander who strike out 160 times a year. What is baseball now, though, right? Yeah, but they're in the same they're in the same division with these guys. I know. Hey, <laughs> I, I'm not saying. All I'm saying is they're going to be. They're going to be fun. You know, that whole division, I, I was talking with my brother the other day. That division's probably the best one in baseball, top to bottom wise. I mean, you don't have a bad team in that division. Especially with the, the way the Marlins have come on. And that's what I'm saying. And now you have a Nationals team where it's going to go Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Lester. That's good. You know, if, if you know Lester was getting tired on the Cubs because he's in top three, now if he's a back two, the thing with the Nationals is their bullpen. You know, that's going to be ugly. That's going to be really ugly. Other than that, they got Josh Bell. They got Jan Gomes. They'll have Ryan Zimmerman coming back. They got Trey Turner. They got Schwarber. They got Robles. They got Soto. You know, they they got the bats. Yeah, where does Zimmerman play though? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. He's going to be a reserve, probably, because he's going to back up uh, Josh Bell most nights, probably. That's what I thought. So, Alex, um, if you don't have one on the top of your head, I have one for you. I, I got one, and what it's it? not like it's not a blockbuster one, but it's an interdivision one that was just a little awkward, a little weird. They, they kind of went down a couple days ago, but Elvis Andrews to the A's and Chris Davis. Saw that. To the Rangers, I'm just like you're gonna trade in your same division a guy who Chris Davis. Granted, he strikes out a ton, but he also cranks bombs forty every, like roughly average forty a year. That one right there to me was just like A's Rangers. What are you? What are you guys doing? Here's one I was gonna bring up. How about Jameson Talion to the New York Yankees? Yeah. I mean, because I. I and it when you mentioned Josh Bell tone, I went, "Oh, that's right. The Pirates have just given up." Yeah, they're gonna be. They might, man. If they sniff fifty wins, I heads off to them. Listen, if they, I, I'm hoping they lose 121 because I'm tired of hearing about the 62 Mets. <laughs> yeah, I mean it could happen. And hey, how about this other move as well? Carlos Santana ends up with Kansas City. I wasn't shocked because I knew he wasn't going to the National League again because he hated that year in Philly. That's why he asked them to trade him back to the Indians. I'm serious. No, I believe you. He One year in Philly, made a lot of money. He's like, yeah, I really don't like it here. I want to go back to Cleveland. Okay. Um, another one I'm shocked about. What about the, the market for uh, Real Muto? 
it base it fizzled. It absolutely fizzled. When the Mets signed McCann, it was non-existent. Yep, exactly. Because as much as he ran his mouth, the minute Steve Cohen bought that franchise, he thought he was getting two hundred million. He's not worth two hundred million. No way. I I said this to somebody when they were defending the guy, and I said these words: "He's not Piazza. He's not." No, he's not. He's not a catcher who can handle a pitching... Now, Piazza couldn't throw. I will give you that. But Piazza could handle a staff and call his own game and hit 330 and hit 35 bombs and drive in 125 runs a year. There's a reason the dude has got a plaque. JT Realmuto's not getting a plaque. So, I, I when McCann signed... And by the way, we've talked about this. I love it. I absolutely adore that move. The other move the Mets made that I love is Trevor May. Ah, uh, the other Trevor. The other Trevor. Here's a funny thing. Trevor May said he ditched his curveball. He doesn't throw it anymore. Do you want to know why? Because Dominic Smith hit it beyond the picnic area in right field two years ago. That's a good reason to give it up. Hold on. That was three pitches after Alonzo hit one to the fifth row from the top at target field. They got it. it was, no, it was the same inning. He, he had a grand slam off Trevor May. It was a hanging curveball. And when Dom hit it, Dom's not a showboat. Dom runs. Tone knows. Tone loves Dom Smith. Yeah, he's a man. Fantasy hero. <laughs> so he hit it and he watched it. So he was on SNY the night they signed him. And he said, I sent him a note right away and apologized. And he said, no, don't worry about it. My curveball is crap anyway. I think May is going to give... <laughs> I think May is going to give the Mets bullpen the shot in the arm they need. Edwin Diaz was very good last year outside of two games. Familia is going to bounce back. Trevor May is that bridge to go with Seth Lugo who can shut down the back end because now you figure with the rotation in flux until June, until Thor comes back, bullpen's going to be pretty big on that end. Last move I wanted to talk about, and then I want to get into, it's hot stove season, but I want to get in back into the NFL for just a minute. Um, last move I want to talk about was actually not real Muto. It was the lack of movement by the Philadelphia Phillies to address the bullpen. Now, yeah, I'm pretty National League East heavy because of where my fandom lies, but this is a team that people thought with what they brought in, with Zach Wheeler, with Segura and Didi Gregorius up the middle, and Bryce Harper, that they could contend year in and year out. It has been an absolute travesty, and bringing in Real Muto. It has been an absolute disaster in Philadelphia because they have not addressed the back end of the bullpen. Tone, I'm going to ask you this question. Are the Philadelphia Phillies going to finish last in the National League East? Ooh, man, imagine asking that question um, two years ago with a straight face, and now it's a very serious question because of how great that division got. And they do have one, two good starters, but after Nolan Wheeler, things get thin enough at starter. Now they're going to rely on Archie Bradley um, to come in and try and be their heroic closer. I think their offense is good, but as we know, it only takes you so far in baseball. I think they do finish in last. I think the Phillies might finish in last and keep trending downward. 
maybe the Marlins. Marlins might, you know, it's going to be one of those two, in my opinion, Phillies or Marlins. But Archie Bradley is going to have to have the best year of his career if the Phillies want to contend for the division or even have a serious thought about doing so. And their starting rotation doesn't impress me. Me neither. That's why I asked the question. Alex, same question. Do the Philadelphia Phillies finish last in the National League East? I will say yes because I believe I still believe in Donnie Baseball. What he did this past season was kind of miraculous, trying to battle the whole COVID situation. So for them to make the playoffs, win a playoff series, kudos to them. They will not finish last. It will be the Phillies. And my question to you guys is: Do you guys think the Phillies fans are going to be upset this season? Will they? Will they kind of? Will they kind of give up on that team? Yeah, Philly fans are the worst. They're gonna go to the. They're gonna be all about it the first month or two and think that they're gonna have a serious shot, and then they're gonna realize that the Phillies are a little bit of a hot mess and turn into a monster. I will see your Phillies are the worst and raise you Yankee fans and Cowboy fans. Um, but in all seriousness, I sat here thinking of questions to ask you guys. And I want to talk about the deals, and I want to get to that, but the only prediction one I had was that one. Because I, with the lack of movement that they did in... I know you bring back JT Real Muto on a contract that was kind of team-friendly for how much he was looking for. But with the offense that they have to not improve the pitching was a big, big no-no. So no, I am in agreement. I think the Philadelphia Phillies finished last... I'll be honest with you. I think the Marlins finished third. Interesting. I don't think Scherzer gets through this season healthy. I don't think Strasburg gets through this season healthy. You take out those two boys, I don't care how good Corbin and John Lester are. It's yeah. it's over. Those guys are your dogs. If you can't get if you can't get a full season of those guys, good luck. And it's now and now it's a high strikeout lineup. So we're talking hot stove. We're talking movement. We're talking all this other stuff. Let's get back to the pigskin and let me ask a serious question. Does anybody really think it was wanting to hook up with McVeigh's girlfriend that got Jared Goff booted out of LA? Yes. No. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That is, a, I heard that rumor, and I, you know, you never know. But no, I mean, the Rams are just. I do think Detroit won the trade. I think Stafford's a better QB than Golf, but I think Detroit's return was tremendous. And two first round picks, Golf, and a third round pick. Detroit definitely came out on top. I don't think Rams are a Super Bowl team with Matt Stafford. You know, Jared Golf got this team to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I'd be very shocked if the Rams return to the Super Bowl in Stafford's time in L.A. I will say that Jared Goff did not get them to a Super Bowl. The Los Angeles Rams defense got them to a Super Bowl. Oh, right. You know what I mean, though. I know what you mean. It's like the argument people had with me with Sanchez. I'm like, well, he's the quarterback. How come he doesn't get any credit while well, their defense was so good? Fine. Joe Flacco's got a ring, too. Um, but now I want to turn my attention to what could be the biggest move and quite possibly the biggest bonehead move. Alex, are the Bears really going to trade for Carson Wentz? 
God, I hope not, but I'm, I'm sure they probably are. <laughs> you can almost feel it. They're going to mortgage it, the fr- entire franchise, and they're probably going to give up some some type of offensive piece, if not some type of defensive piece, to get him here for no flipping reason. I saw multiple first-round picks. Yeah. I saw... Is is Cravens the last, maybe the last name I'm thinking of? Not I think he was a running back. Uh, Cohen. Cohen. And Nick Foles. Yeah, why not? Like I said, mortgage <laughs> the franchise. Just give it up, mail it in, give them the stadium, whatever you guys want to do, it's okay. Is Mitchell your backup then? No, Mitchell's not coming back. No, I know. Mitchell can back up Baker and go home. The, the team is in shambles. I need to find another team, and it might be... The team in, in Tampa Bay, as far as I'm concerned right now. Come to the Browns. We need all the help we can get. Um, <laughs> or, or the Browns. I just need to find another organization. I can't do it with these guys anymore. I got my, my Bears gear in a pile. I'm ready to burn the shit. <laughs> Sorry for swearing, but I'm ready to burn it. It's cool. It's cool. I'm because just, I knew I was going to get you fired up with that one. <laughs> you, got you got me. Because just hearing the rumblings... I was just like, no, why are you guys going to do this? You're not going to contend. I look at the I looked at their record for next uh, or their schedule for next season. If they win five games, it's too much. And I'm I'm saying it right now. It's I I guarantee it. If they win five, it's too much. Well, I'm going to go on record now and say the Browns are playing the Bears next year. You and I are going to do a show with that one. That's fine. It's going to be forty-two to nothing. <laughs> He's giving a score prediction. <laughs> All right, champ. I'm going to give you a different question because I don't need you to pile on this boy. He's already losing his mind. No, it's okay. Let him pile on. I, no, no, no. I got a better one. I got a better one than that. How much of the franchise are the New York Jets going to mortgage to get Deshaun Watson? You know, they might have one player in a garbage can left heading into practice if they do acquire Deshaun Watson. It might be one of those things like in semi-pro where they have to trade their washing and uh, machine and dryer <laughs> to get Deshaun Watson. But for real, I don't know. Houston is holding out. They're going to require a lot, a lot, a lot. And New York, I think, is a team that's going to give up a lot because I think – they want a savior, and Deshaun Watson could be that savior. So we've seen what Stafford got in return. I'm very scared to see what Deshaun Watson might get. The move for the Jets, and it pains me to say it, is drafting Devontae Smith. Draft him at number two. Because we know Urban's taking Trevor Lawrence, or he's going to throw the whole world on its ear and take Justin Fields. Which, remember, Urban was still instrumental in getting Fields to commit to Ohio State as a transfer. So last football question, I got two more baseball questions for you. So the last one, and this one your brother may want to take there, Tone. Do the Colts have enough draft capital to go out and get Carson Wentz if he doesn't go to the Bears? But here's the other question. What if Andrew Luck wanted to come back? I I don't think Ursay kind of came out and talk down those rumors. Um, I think that Andrew Luck would be a great fit for the Colts, but I think Carson Wentz is their number one target. They're just not going to overpay for him. But I think at the end of the day, we do see Carson Wentz as an Indianapolis Colt. I think I'm pretty confident that he does end up with the Colts. But I do think that's a good thing for the Colts. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing for the Colts. Um, 
I think that Carson Wentz as their quarterback would be a good thing. A lot of bad happened in Philly last year, including them having virtually no weapons in most of their games. Um, they drafted Jalen Rager, but he was hurt most of the year. Elshon Jeffrey hurt most of the year. Deshaun Jackson hurt most of the year. Offensive line was down four starters. Four out of five starters were out for most of the season. That doesn't equate well for any quarterback. Uh, time will tell to see how the story ends on him, but I think that'd be a good move for the Colts as Frank Reich is very familiar with it. I agree with you. Um, I think that's his landing spot. Going back to Carson Wentz, I'm not down on, on Wentz. I'm just down on the fact of what the Bears are willing to give up. I think the Colts, yes. if they were to give him, get him, I think they will be much smarter about it and not basically franchise their organization. I think the Bears would be stupid enough to do so. So I agree not, with you. Not, not saying that anything – I'm willing to give Wentz a, a second chance. I think he had a – you know, he just had a falling out with a, with Philly. Uh, and he deserves another shot. So, you know, any any Wentz fans out there? No, no, no shot, no shade, no shot at him. Shot at, at this Chicago run organization. That's a circus. Uh, I just asked your brother on YouTube if he wanted Carson Wentz. I'm waiting to see what he says. Oh God, I hope he loses it too. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, the NFL offseason is going to be huge. Um, I will say I think one move that's going to happen that people have talked about, but I don't think it's going to get a lot of traction until it gets closer, I think the Browns are going to trade for J.J. Watt. Wow. And you're going to stick him on the opposite end of Miles Garrett. That'd be a great tandem. I agree, but if they don't draft a linebacker, I'm going to drive to Cleveland and slap Andrew Berry. Um, so... Let's get back to the actual crux of the episode we're doing. Let's get a couple of predictions out of you guys. Let's talk about some of the guys who are still out there and maybe moves you think could or should happen. Uh, Jackie Bradley is still obviously available. Um, if you had to pick a landing spot, I'm going to pick the Mets because I think he's once they got Lindor, that was the move I thought they were going to make. So I think he's going to end up in New York. Um, who do you see Jackie Bradley going, and is there a chance he goes back to Boston? Alex, I'll start with you. I think there's a chance he goes back to Boston. If if it's not Boston, it's definitely going to be the Mets. I think the Mets are a, a perfect landing spot for him, uh, a spot that he could fill in center field. There's that's a big space to cover out there in uh, in City Field, so he will have his work cut out for him. But either uh, either back to Boston or, or you know up to New York. Okay, Tone. Same question. Where do you think Jackie Bradley ends up? Yeah, it's between Boston and New York for sure, but I don't think he is that big of a difference maker, honestly. I, I was never too huge on Jackie Bradley, so I don't think that either team missing out on him will be missing too much. But if I had to guess, he probably just goes back to Boston, especially with the Elmore thing. Yeah, you see, hang on, i got to stop um, Anchor and restart it. Hang on. And we're back. Um, so... We're not going to be too, too much longer, guys. But um, All right, so we think Jackie Bradley's going to end up going either to Boston or back to or to the Mets. I will say this about the Almora thing. If they add Jackie Bradley, that means Dom Smith can play every day. Because with the DH probably not happening in the National League, you can't platoon him and Pete Alonso now because you need both bats in the lineup. I think Almora was brought in to be the outfielder that in the 7th or 8th inning they can go, go to left. Or if Bradley needs a day, they can play Almora in center. 
Um, they still have Nimmo. So that's really what that one, I, I think, I hope, that's what Sandy Alderson and the uh, front office were thinking. So the next one I had for you is more of a, I don't know. It's more of a, if you had to pull something out of your hat right now. Give me one team. Hold on, my cousin said, my cousin said Bradley will sign with the Mets if they have the DH and the NL. Did you guys like the DH last year in the National League? I did. I didn't mind. I go back and forth on it. Yeah, the purist in me didn't like it because, you know, I got guys on my staff that can hit. Uh, But at the same time, I like that lineup. When I can put Pete Alonso and Dom Smith in the same lineup and get better defensively. So here's the last question, and I'm going to start with Alex on this one. It's been a lot of rumblings of other big deals that are going to be made. There's been a lot of rumblings on players who are going to be traded that people think are cornerstones. What's the first shoe to drop if a team is not playing well going into mid-June? I'm going to go in a team that we already talked about. I think that uh, the Colorado Rockies would decide to move Trevor Story. Where he goes... I'm not really sure, but I think a contender could definitely use him. Uh, you could play him anywhere, probably on the left side of the infield. Maybe stretch him to second if possible, if or if necessary. But I think Trevor Story, because just because it looks like Cleveland is looking to wipe the slate clean, or I should say Colorado, and start completely anew. You're not wrong, because the other one I was thinking of was Cleveland, but I got two. Tom, what do you think? Well, first off, I... Trevor's story, how would you guys rate his chances and what do you think a return pack on him would be like? A guy like Trevor's story after seeing, uh, you know, what some of these other big names brought. Depends what the Rockies are doing. It depends what his stats are. Um, I think it will take a top prospect from somebody and a major league piece. But I don't think it's going to take as big a package as people think it is. It's not going to cost you two major league ready players that the Indians got for Lindor and minor league pieces. I'll tell you what, it's not a trade, but I think the Cardinals grab Jake Odorizzi. I think. I am shocked they didn't grab Kluber. Kluber's a mystery after the past couple of years, but I'm shocked they didn't grab him as well because Odorizzi's a mystery as well. So if they did go that route. Um, it's the same risk, but I think Odorizzi would be a good fit in St. Louis. They could use a pitcher. I think that's a move to keep an eye on, um, maybe even before the season starts. How about the Mets have been linked to Arietta? Yeah, I've seen the Mets and the Cubs both were. I don't I, I don't think the Cubs will give him the money that he's hoping for, though. I don't think the Mets will either. Here's another one for you. How have the Los Angeles Angels not done anything to help Mike Trout? They have. I mean, they picked up the closer from Cincinnati for oh, yeah. for peanuts. Look, I don't understand it either. Artie Moreno's got as, almost as much money as Steve Cohen. I don't know what they're doing. I know they just got Alex Cobb from uh, from Baltimore, but that's not enough. Come on. No, like, he needs... Well, I Listen, it all depends what Otani-san's able to do. 
if you can, no, he just he just signed today. If you can pitch Otani out of the rotation and add Alex Cobb, and you have a good back of the bullpen guy, I don't think the West is that strong. Not with Houston without Springer and Verlander had TJ. That is a fair point. I, I totally forgot about Verlander with with his TJ situation. I don't know. I listen. I love that lineup with Otani when he's not pitching, with Trout, with Pujols, with Rendon. I love that lineup, and now Dexter Fowler. Mm-hmm. So listen, they've done things to help. Is it going to pan out? That's the question. I mean, I, I, my, just from my perspective, you're you, you're talking about the best player in baseball who's wasting his years in Anaheim, as far as I'm concerned. He's cashing big checks. He's oh, good. I, know he's, I mean, I know he's living pretty, but doesn't he want to get a ring? Oh, I agree. I guarantee he does. I mean, I listen. I if it was me, if I'm Artie Moreno, if I open my pocketbook like that for Mike Trout, I'm opening it for a pitcher. Or a two. I mean, maybe they might be, you know, they might contend at some point during the season and, and be buyers and go out and get, you know, a, a front-end rotation guy because you, you, they need it if they want to make the playoffs and have a long run. In. And I'm wait, I'm itching to see Mike Trout have a long run in the playoffs. Me too. I, I would love to see it. One series in his entire career so far has not really been any good. So you got Trevor Story. You think Odorizzi's going to St. Louis. I think if the Cubs fall in the tank, Chris Bryant's coming to New York. Mm. And I'm not talking about the Bronx. I was going to say, is he going to be a Yankee? No. <laughs> Just kidding. Do you want to know why he won't be a Yankee? Because they think DJ LeMahieu is the savior. Well. He's been great. But if I had a chance to use some assets to get Chris Bryant from... Uh, Although, I don't think the Cubs will ever deal with the Yankees again after what Chapman did. That's true. Because <laughs> y'all got fleeced, and then he went back to New York for more money. I, mean, I don't know if we got fleeced, we won a World Series. That's true. I know he's, I know he's definitely been linked a couple times to uh, to the Mets, but what about what are the chances of him going west, going closer to home? No, no chance? I don't shot. think anybody can pay him. Yeah, Arizona won't be able to carry the Bucks. Yeah, I know. I know. Arizona, I know. The do- the closest for them to be home, but I don't think that they got. Yeah, the, listen. The, the they won't. The if you're talking about West teams, the Angels aren't going to throw away the money they gave to Rendon. Right. The Dodgers are either going to re-sign Justin Turner, or I mean, he's it's a possibility. You know, he's not going to San Diego. Not with Machado and Tatis on the left side of the infield. So, a, a East Coast team fits as a trade partner. An East Coast team fits as a long-term solution. But, yeah, I think if he had his choice, he'd go West. I just don't want to see him in Philly with his boy. Right. I, I got another another interesting trade, and I'll, and I'll leave that as my, my last point. I think if this team does not start well or does not end well or their, their midseason is not going well, I think Carlos Correa gets moved. Oh, that's another one. I think Carlos Correa gets moved. Another shortstop, but I think he gets moved. You figure it this way. That's why it was so big for the Mets to get Lindor now, because the shortstops next year. Yeah. 
It's a bunch of them. Uh-huh. Now, the other move that people aren't going to see coming, I think Jose Ramirez is going to get dealt. And I think he's going to get dealt to the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. That'd be interesting. Because they don't have any impact left-handed bats. And Ramirez is a switch hitter. And like, like you Jones said, mentioned earlier, you cannot rely on Matt Carpenter. They have him playing at third, and he's he has no arm to play third base, as far as I'm concerned. I've seen my fair share of him playing third, and it's it's a soft toss as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. And here's the other thing. Um, remember, Giovanni Urshela was a Cleveland Indian, and they they let him go because Jose Ramirez was Jose Ramirez. So he can play third, he can play second, and he was playing third because of Kipnis. So I, I think he gets moved, and I honestly believe that the St. Louis Cardinals will take a shot at bringing him in to solidify that lineup and give it some kind of balance. That's the reason, when they were talking about the Mets going after Charlie Blackman, I no, the Mets are too left-handed. Because you have Dom, you have McNeil, you have Conforto. As currently constituted, you have Nimmo. That's a lot of left-handed bats. And only one of them is a, a genuine contact hitter in McNeil. Man, we're just getting started. We're over an hour. There is so much more we could do. So I guess that means we'll have to have an episode three. Yep. So as I said at the beginning, we are nine days. Nine days from the opening of spring training. The Mets report on February 17th. I cannot tell you how much better I feel once I know the boys are in Port St. Lucie. Um, your brother says Wentz, not for any ones, he would do twos. He's a, he's a little more giving than I am, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate with Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator. Yep. That is true, but the Bears don't have Frank Reich as their offensive coordinator, so... Well, not your brother, his brother. Oh. oh. <laughs> not Chris, Joe. <laughs> so the last thing I want to tell you guys is um, I got a special day coming up April 20th. For the first time ever, the show is going to Xbox. Wow. I have already pre-ordered the game. I took the day off to stay home and play the game all day. Tatis is a cover boy. I don't know if you saw that. But the other cool thing is the, um, what is it, Next Gen Edition? It's Jackie Robinson on the cover. So I thought that was cool. So, Champ, we're going to let you tell everybody where you're at so they can find you after watching us tonight. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking some baseball. Uh, it, it's been incredible being able to watch what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, have been able to do this year. You can follow Buccaneers content if you'd like at our Bucks podcast that I do at Bucketeers on Twitter and YouTube. We're on now YouTube. Uh, Mike was actually with us on our first live YouTube show the other night, which is really incredible. So check us out on YouTube or Twitter at Bucketeers, Spotify, Apple, Google as well. And then I also do a baseball and collecting podcast as well cardboard and cracker jacks you can follow that one at cracker jacks pod on instagram or twitter and we're on spotify apple google other things as well it's always a great time talking 
baseball, football, whatever it is with you guys. Um, it was a lot of fun tonight. Thanks again. Uh, it was a lot of fun celebrating this championship on uh, Big Reek and on sports. So thanks again for having me. Anytime, Tone. Alex, what do you got brewing on row seven? Well, you know, I'm just primed and ready for uh, for baseball season here. I'm trying to see if I can uh, find a way to do some live streams prior to some White Sox games and potentially even some Cubs games as well, too. Uh, maybe I'll see if I can, you know, camp out in the, in the parking lot, in the White Sox parking lot nice. and find a, a, a parking space up uh, up on the north side just to kind of do some live live chats, kind of get people's vibes and feelings of, of how the season is going and their outlook for, you know, game-by-game scenarios. That's pretty cool. That's, if I didn't live so far, if I didn't live so far north of City Field, I would do that. So, so I mean, I got my my season ticket package for the White Sox, so I got to make uh, make a, a way to, to get up to the north side to catch a couple games as well, too, to kind of get vibes and see how north siders are feeling about their season and how how it'll play out and what's next for them. So that's pretty cool. Let please let me know when you're going to do that because I would love to tune into that. Yeah, absolutely. So big week, and we got coming up. We got a Cleveland Cavaliers so far this season coming up next at the end of the uh, end of the weekend, and I will do a full Browns wrap up uh, and what I see for the coming year for the Cleveland Browns, who I personally feel after watching Sunday night would have given your boys a game. Tone uh, as Tone dropped off there, but we will have the boys back mid March. You think works for me. All right, so we'll have the boys back mid-March. As always, Big Regan can be found here on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter, at Big Regan on Sports, um, on Periscope, which we are right now. Anchor, Breaker, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts. Hold on. Google just took over my screen because I have the assistant on the laptop. Um, So again, Cavaliers... Lost Larry Nance for a few weeks. Browns wrap up. What do they need to do to improve and get back to the playoffs? But most importantly, February 17th, the New York Mets report to Port St. Lucie in spring training. Guess what? It's baseball season. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Alex, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you.